The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. You know how Finn never gets to tell Ray that one thing he wants to tell her? Or how Han Solo can give Leia a sarcastic quip but never really open up to her? Well, you don't have to be rebel scum or the captain of the Millennium Falcon to experience the kind of rich relationships and life that we all long for. I'm Mark Went, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com, M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a streaming freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And we are being joined by a friend of the family, uh, through the friend of my family, through my my spouse, my wife, because uh, she was his uh, hard nosed stage manager in high school. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good description. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just gonna say, uh, he said that's a great description. <laughs> um, Let me get away with nothing, nothing. Which made you the person, the actor you are now. Absolutely. Raising the bar all the time. <laughs> so, uh, and of course, the voice you're hearing right now is Blaine Weaver, who has done quite a bit. Um, really came onto the scene first with Peter Pan Return to Neverland. Was first major project before you did? Yeah, uh, I think so. There was some like there was some stuff before them, some TV movies and stuff like that. Right. And uh, But yeah, it, Peter Pan was really the thing that like... Uh, I guess is what IMDb thinks it's one of the biggest things I've done. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I I was wrong. You were actually on a couple of my favorite shows, uh, Jag ER, um, before you hit uh, Peter yeah, Pan. Yeah, I spent some time in LA doing uh, a lot of commercials, a lot of guest spots. Uh, one of my biggest things was. ER back in the 90s and it was one of those when ER was like so hot that everybody was watching it you know watching the all night of yeah. Thursday night lineup and uh, I, I was only like 23 or 24 and 
the phone started ringing and everybody from high school was sitting there watching it and like surprised, you know, that so it was that time when everybody would tune in and like, it, it makes you feel real good at like 23 or 24 to have a scene with George Clooney. And then all your high school friends are calling and saying, I can't believe you're on my TV. <laughs> now, what led me to getting back in touch with you? Cause we, I think we talked a while ago about getting you on. Um, Cause I think it's when we were you and I were chatting in Facebook Messenger about I was I felt the pitch of having you as solo or in right. in the solo <laughs> story. Um, and I think I even Derek, I think I even pitched it with you at the time as you and when we had Brett on of this is the guy that I was my pick initially. On record as the best compliment I've ever gotten. <laughs> um, and, well, I think the compliment too that you were a another uh, Christian Slater slash Jack Nicholson genre at the early stage as well. Hey, keep them coming, man. <laughs> um, These are good comparisons. But you just recently had come out. I know I saw it on Netflix. Um, and it's the fifth installment in the American Pie series. Which it's actually like the ninth, which is weird. Uh, they've made a bunch that have gone straight to DVD and stuff. And, you know, uh, this is the ninth one, but it's kind of a not a reboot, but like it, it coming it was, it was right. supposed to come out theatrically and then hitting Netflix was a big deal for the franchise and certainly a big deal for me. Oh, OK, let me rephrase. Fifth, fifth installment in the American Pie presents mm-hmm. line. Right. Which is the what? essentially the equivalent of national lampoon yeah yeah in many ways in many ways yeah there's the american pie movies and then american pie presents um of course you did american pie american pie presents girls rule how did you get involved in this particular project so um it's kind of a weird uh story but basically i did a uh a christmas movie uh, a couple years ago called santa girl where i directed that and i had done some writing for uh my producer a guy named mike elliott and then uh mike got uh was in production was in pre-production to do uh american pie girls rules and uh he wanted a rewrite of the script and uh he pushed universal to bring me on and Mike and I worked on the script and we brought in some, um, you know, some uh, female comedians and writers to, you know, give input and, you know, read the script and tell us what they thought. And I would put the changes back in there. And uh, so that's it. And then I ended up, you know, getting the the main writing credit for American Pie Girls Rules. And I, I re- I'm really happy the way that turned out. It's uh, funny and you know everything that you want a sex comedy to be. <laughs> it's a fun, it's a fun film. Fun. I mean, and the whole series is is great. Um, I mean, I I've seen. Can't believe I'm admitting this, but I have seen them all. The nice. Yeah, I've seen Bandcamp, <laughs> which was fun. Um, Naked Mile was okay. Uh, Beta House was okay. Book of Love, I absolutely adored. I mean, I try and watch it every now and then because I I just love the whole concept and how they bring everyone around, you know, like uh, Richard Greco and uh, the guy from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and (laughs) Eugene Levy. And he's like, okay, tying in all these pop culture references into it. Uh, But Girls Rule, um, I loved how it's one Stifler is female and the whole gang is female and the whole new twist. And it's the same, almost the same issues present themselves. Uh, Was it hard to write this and not duplicate the original American pie? 
it, it wasn't hard to not duplicate it because I think that there was something, you know, like with the concept of redoing, you know, a, a version of what happened in the first American Pie where there's, you know, there's a bet and they're, you know, doing all this stuff and it's four guys and changing, you know, the sex. Obviously, it changes much more than um, just the names. You know what I mean? So, like, even with the same kind of uh, basic jumping off point, it just changes so much because uh, you're dealing with young women instead of young men. And so like what was really fun was and challenging and interesting was trying to make that something that resonated with women, you know, and, you know, getting the feedback and the input from uh, from women about their experience, you know, their what sexual coming of age kind of thing. Obviously, it's going to be a very different movie. Right. And so we weren't worried about it being too similar. But uh, because we just kept getting farther away in like what they were talking about in life. But like it, what was interesting to me were the similarities of like, you know, we had this big writer's room with all these really, really funny women. And, uh, you know, the director was just saying the other day about how he left that room red faced because like we were both like, oh, well, that's that's raw. OK. Uh, <laughs> but it was uh, it was a really great collaborative experience. How? Now, were you involved at all in casting with this film? I wasn't. I, I'm lucky enough to be, you know, not only working professionally with Mike Elliott, the director, but we're also friends. And so he would send me like audition tapes of people that he really liked. Um, like I wasn't in the room or anything, but I was super stoked with the, you know, uh, the, the especially the four main girls who I think are awesome. Um, and, you know, I, I got to play a small role in the movie which was great and unique for a writer. You know, usually I'm either the actor or it's my movie. I'm writing, directing or whatever, or I'm just the writer, but getting to come in and, you know, here's something that was an eye opener to me of like, I'd finished this movie and the director's like, Hey, we want you to play this dad character. I'm like, I'm too young to play dad character. I'm, Oh wait, no, I'm not. That's that's very disheartening. (laughs) But, uh, it was very cool. And I got to be there, you know, when the main actresses were working and they were all so sweet. My favorite thing was they were having such a good time. Like they were just laughing all day long, which I think in, on my sets, is always what I want because it, it, that kind of energy really translates onto the screen. I think. Um, I, I got to work. Natasha Benham was one of the actresses, and I cast her in my next film that I was directing, and so that was really cool. Of like before American Pie had even come out, we made another movie together. But uh, oh, she's very cool. Nice. How hard was it not to write in Noah Livingstein in this film? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, always a challenge, always a challenge. But no, it was, there's so much in that world of like the iconography and the like, you know, American Pie is such a thing that we all know, you know, and have our little uh, we I actually did a lot of callbacks to the original movie. And then we had to cut most of them because Universal might want to make another movie with the original cast and they didn't want to change the uh Watch them do uh, the, uh, the the world, you know. Um, but yeah, so they basically wanted it to be a whole new whole new thing. Okay. I hold on one second, Derek. I'll let you ask a question because my daughter's at the door. Right back, Derek. First of all, I love your Star Wars setup that you have behind you. It looks like every toy I ever wanted to have but couldn't. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's taken me some time to build up the collection, but this that's just part of. It too. It goes all around this room. Oh, that's awesome! Um, 
Yeah, it, it's and there's there's more than just Star Wars too. There's you know Marvel and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you know what can I say? I'm a geek. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> So how did uh how did uh how do I want to word this? How did the how did it <laughs> Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, yes, daughter just got home. I think we were talking before show. We were. How hello. How are you? <laughs> yeah, she wants her headphones. How are you doing? Recognize that voice. <laughs> I like your NASA sweater. So so now Peter Pan likes your NASA sweater. <laughs> so now you're not gonna see Peter Pan anymore. You're gonna see him, right? I don't want to ruin the illusion. <laughs> well, how about this? You know Mickey's Philharmagic at the park? He's the voice of Peter Pan in that too. Boom. Boom. So you're since we're talking Peter Pan, we'll get back to yeah. American Bible Presents. Are you are you the current Disney voice for Peter Pan? Yeah, it, everything that looks like the 1950s Peter Pan is me. Um, they've got a couple of other, like um, Jake and the Neverland Pirates a while ago. That was right. a, kind of a different look, and that was a different guy. And uh, the uh, Kingdom Hearts is a different guy. But um, I'm the... Uh, I'm the the guy that looks like the '50s Peter Pan, which uh, is my favorite, anyways. So, so you, so we're now talking to the current voice of the the uh, I think they call it the Green Tree, or uh, I don't God, know. I'm not. I forgot, I forgot how Marvel puts it, but basically, you're you're the current voice of the original Peter Pan. Yes, yes, that's that's me. Thankfully, it's a great gig. It's like that's awesome. playing. James Bond or Superman or something like that. It's iconic. And I, I love that I get to be a part of something that's much bigger than me. You know what I mean? So are there, are there certain rules that you have to follow when doing like a Peter Pan voice? Um, they are very much into uh, the, the match, you know, uh, of the original Bobby Driscoll, you know, uh, mm. voice. And like one thing I don't really have any rules on me, but one thing they do that I think is really neat is they use this 1950s style microphone every time they record Peter Pan, something to do with the, you know, tinniness or whatever of the recording mechanism that gives it that kind of throwback right. feel. But basically, my yeah. my Peter Pan is a combination between uh, Wally Cleaver and myself. You know, it's like you, you throw in the, ah, oh, geez, kind of thing and, you know, let your voice crack a couple of times. And <laughs> to me, it's just about embracing that 1950s style, um, which uh, <laughs> I think Peter is such a boy's boy. And uh, I, I just I love doing it. Well, the next time you're in the studio recording it, take a picture of the mic. I would love to see it. I will. Being yeah, an audio, it looks like yeah, an that's, audio that's engineer. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really an audiophile. I don't know much about it, but it looks like an Elvis Presley style. Oh, okay. Know, so it sounds like it could be the uh, – Oh, God, he talked to this guy. Oh, he's the go-to guy. Well, there you go. Probably. He'll, he'll be my tutor. <laughs> it, it sounds like it's probably a Shure SM50 – SM55? See? I'll take your word on it. Or SM52. It's one of, uh, I know the mic you're talking about, um, because it's the one that you see him with all the pictures of the Louisiana Hayride. It's that same microphone. Right. Exactly. That's what I think of, you know. Throw, of course, throwing, you know throwing back some We home. have that same shared Louisiana. <laughs> So, you have a question for Mr. Blaine since you're here? No. No questions. So, go off the spur. I don't off the do cuff. well off the spur. All right. Oh, <laughs> almost in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that's who was at the door. Awesome. I'm glad that we got to see each other. Yeah. So, um, with. <laughs> 
<laughs> as I'm hearing them in the air. Here, here, Melissa. Hi, baby. Yes, hi, hi, Mr. Blaine. <laughs> so, um, was was this the film that you were wrapping up? Um, you, we were talking before show about doing a film during COVID. Was was this it that you were wrapping up, or no, is there another so one? We did. Um, American Pie was uh, before uh, the pandemic outbreak. I don't remember. I'm terrible. At- timelines but um i was gonna do a movie in march and uh i was basically doing sound mix on getaway which is the new horror film um and i was in the sound mix with my director of photography for a new christmas film when we got the alert that the university that we were using as a location was shutting down and we're like oh that's not good and, you know, four texts later, the entire state that we were shooting in was shut down and was like, OK, well, I guess this isn't happening. So we all locked down. DP went back to Los Angeles. And um, in that interim, you know, we were one of the first movies in the in the state, certainly in Virginia, but like in the country to move forward with um, shooting following the Screen Actors Guild COVID rest- restrictions and whatnot. And uh very intense, very like we had a early conversation with the Screen Actors Guild about doing it and nobody on the call could really fathom what we were going to be doing, how we would be doing it, you know, with um, social distancing and tests three times a week and, you know, uh, all the PPE and stuff. And it was just such a giant undertaking that we couldn't fathom being able to do it. But we were able to, you know, race it, get some extra money from the production company to a lot of extra money to do the testing and whatnot, but it was, it was intense. It was like bringing actors in, putting them in hotels for three days before they were able to shoot, uh, you know, stabbing their brain <laughs> and giving a <laughs> test before they step on set. And, uh, it, it was, it turned out to be great. Uh, the movies, a movie called, uh, Cupid for Christmas, which will be out next Christmas. And, uh, it was a really great experience, but really, really unique. And uh, I'm hoping that in 2021 we're past this and don't have to recreate the process because it's, you know, time consuming, you know, uh, nerve wracking because you want everybody to be as safe as possible. Right. Right. It, it's good, though, at least that you can somewhat go back to, to doing something um, instead of, you know, instead of still having everything completely shut down. Oh, I agree. I agree. It was it was great to be on the set and making something just, you know, uh, scary. You know, that that's all, especially mm. as a director of like, you know, uh, feeling I feel like all every time I've directed, I feel a very paternal feeling about the project and the people from the you know bottom to the top. And it's always it's always nerve wracking because there's always going to be some kind of stunt or there's going to be, you know, and you don't have to have a stunt for somebody to get hurt on a movie set. I've seen that a million times. And then you add this to it and it was just a extra level of scariness of I just want everybody to be safe and I want to make a great movie, but it's not worth someone's health, you know. So uh, I I was really glad for the experience and very thankful that we got through it and everybody was great and the movie turned out great. And I can't wait for people to see it. Well, since you were filming one after the pandemic hit, uh, we I'll, I'll turn you on to an, another independent film that came out that was made at the start of the pandemic. Mm, that way, okay. um, it's a film called Love in Dangerous Times. Is, that's about to drop or something, isn't it? I think, like I a, think it did just drop. Uh, we had yeah. uh, John Garcia, Ian Stout, and Tiffany Groban. Uh, 
who uh, John Garcia was the director and um, Ian and Tiffany were the leads. Uh, we had them on the show back in October. Very cool. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it was re- it was a really good film. And and the thing that got me was. <laughs> Did you just get tagged with a Nerf gun? Looks yeah. like you just got tagged with a Nerf yeah. gun. <laughs> um, our arsenal down here is insane. If you like Nerf, you come over to the well, house. Yeah. We'll, we'll have Nerf War. That sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> the uh, They said they filmed this, what most of it right as the, everything was starting. But you watch the film and the way it happens, you would think it was filmed um, like right in the middle because – I think they said it was just as uh, the BLM movement was starting to kick up in the Seattle, is it Seattle or Portland, Washington areas, Portland, Portland. Yeah. Um, so that was like near the tail end of filming for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah but yeah, you would we think that up and running yet. I don't think that you would think with the way everything plays out that they shot all this at the start of that and ended like June, July, maybe August. Right. I go, now we wrapped right near the beginning of all that. Wow. It's like, wow. It's just the way it all comes together. It It's totally insane. Yeah. I can't imagine wrapping, wrapping my head around it during that time. Like we were still like, well, this will be over in like three weeks, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we thought down here. I was like, oh, we're going to close the parks. Cool. Well, you're going to still get paid through this date. Awesome. Well, we're extending that till April 19th, and then we're going furlough. Say what? <laughs> what? Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely crazy. So, um, trying to think, what else do we have with American Pie? It, <clears throat> It, it was just I thought it was a great film I really did and, and I apologize if, if anything I bring up is something you two already talked about um, what what made you give what led you to giving each character their their quirks with the with the film like Kayla um, being being so insecure about you know her boyfriend cheating and Michelle being the, the sex toys expert and right. you know <laughs> Well, you know, it's like any any script that you're working on, you know, you want um, their t- the characters to be full and alive and, you know, have different quirks and whatnot. And, you know, the the interesting thing about like the it would be very easy to do for very stereotypical, you know, uh, girls just basically write a script for boys, change the names, you know, and oh, now it's uh, it's this movie. We really wanted it to feel real and alive and modern. And uh, we saw the movie Booksmart, which is a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, it's and it, like one of the things that I was really inspired by was how not uh, what's the right word? Uh, uh, stereotypical. Any of the, the main characters were they were all very unique and. That was something that we definitely wanted to do. And it's difficult. I I will say the hardest part about that movie script is that it's so many characters. Like you want those four main girls to be, you know, very well-rounded and feel real, right? But then you have the four boys that are part of their life. You have the parent characters that are the kind of the B-plot. And you want all of these things to be full and alive and real. And it's like – the first, my first draft of the movie was like 130 pages, which is like 50 pages too many, you know. So we had to <laughs> try to get the essence of things in just a line or two, and I, that will that that would be the hardest thing for me was to 
because we kept adding and adding and adding, and then we had to cut it down to like 95, 100 pages and not lose any of that character work. So uh, that was the hardest thing, but it was the most fun. And, you know, we pulled from, you know, my life, the director's life. You know, again, we had this uh, great roundtable discussion, you know, uh, with uh, these women telling us their stories from high school. And and we put literally all of it in because we wanted it to be real and we wanted it to be funny. We wanted to be the stories that you tell at the high school reunion of, can you believe this? Uh, Oh, well, she does that. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so it, it was a very satisfying experience, but like cutting and ed- trying to keep it short was, that was the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how have you accepted the reception of this film? Um, because I, I, I want to say, uh, according to Wikipedia, what they say about the movie, mm-hmm. Ron Tomatoes gave it an approval rating of 30%, <laughs> but it's only based on 10 critics. Yeah. Now, the, the scale that I use, or we tend to use on the shows, the 2015 Fantastic Four movie, or as we call yeah. it, the Fantastic <laughs> Flop, <laughs> it's like trying to find it, uh, it has a 9% approval rating. So, hey, hey definitely exactly. so much better than that. And then um, the other film, Josie and the Pussy, uh, no, uh, not Josie, Jim, 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 Ooh. no, Jim yeah. and the Holograms. You guys watch that? <laughs> Melissa has. I have not. I um, but Jim and the Holograms, a movie that only lasted in in the theaters two weeks before the studio pulled it, has a twenty two percent. So if you're at thirty percent, you've got a great film, according well, to our scale. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I feel like. Um, I'm stoked about the reception from American Pie Girls Rules. I'll tell you why. Because a cabillion trillion people have watched it on Netflix. And a cabillion trillion people have bought the DVD and Blu-ray. And I think that's fantastic. And um, we got some nice reviews. We got a lot of, you know, not great reviews. But, like, the truth is, is, like, this is a movie that's, a like, a target for critics. You know, it's it's a very easy oh, movie yeah. to right. trash if you want to. Um like it's very easy to you know watch it half ass and not see the amount of effort and work that went into you know making something funny and genuine and you know uh, enjoyable for what it is right because it's not going to not be an american pie movie it's going to be american pie you know and uh critics didn't like american pie one until it became iconic and then it was like oh this movie but you know uh so that kind of stuff doesn't really get to me anymore i've been in independent film too long because independent film is often treated the same way of like, it's very easy to dismiss something that, you know, uh, stars Blaine Weaver instead of Matthew McConaughey. Uh, It's fine. They're haters going to hate. What are you going to do? But I like the movie and I'm a smart guy and I know lots of smart people that like it. So it makes me happy (laughs) that so many eyeballs have gotten on it. And I just don't think that many people would watch it if it wasn't that good. Well, I I think the the two, what they say, top critics on, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The the main quote is uh, Robin Barr from The Hollywood Reporter, dashed together by a male director, two male screenwriters, and a half male producer team producing team. The film appears to be cinematic equivalent of stu- two straight girls making out at a party for some bro's attention, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's uh, could absolutely can be her opinion, but I don't think that's a fair uh, critique of the film or the content or because it's not that like if you watch it, you know, the the right, you know. But as, you, as you're telling us, but you guys threw so much female 
feedback and brainstorming into this as well because you guys are guys and, right. and you wanted to make sure you captured it the right way. Absolutely. I think there was lots of effort and work put into that to, you know, and including from the actresses, which who I all think are fantastic and funny and improvisationally right. skilled and whatnot. But um, I think I get what she's saying, you know, like, but at the same time, I'm the one that got hired to write it. And I'm very stoked to have gotten to. And, uh, uh, I, I don't think it's a critique of the movie to be mad that I'm writing it. You know, <laughs> like, like, like I said, at the well, beginning, you know, you know, you're part of the American pie franchise mm-hmm. that right there, you know, is like saying, Hey, I'm part of the national American pie is the modern day national lampoon. It's, it's not unlike the Disney thing of like being part of something that's bigger than you. And like, that its reputation precedes it, you know, which is very cool. Like I, I love being able to tell people, Hey, I'm writing this American pie movie because everybody knows what that means. Yeah. And, and it, it was a great fun time writing it. And, uh, I, I am very proud of how the movie came out. Um, we all then, know that critics don't like, Oh yeah. Fun movies. So, oh, yeah. well, I, th- I think the other one, which, which I thought was great. And I'm, I laugh at this cause it's like, okay, this is another guy who just doesn't get it, but it, it's, it's a fun quote. Uh, T.O. Uh, Bugby from the New York Times wrote, the, Amer- the original American Pie was tasteless. This version is flavorless. <laughs> hey, as long as you can taste it, <laughs> flavorless is better than tasteless, in my right. opinion. Well, there you go. But it's, it's, it's still, I mean, it's fun seeing what people write because, I mean, we've gotten some bad reviews in regards to the podcast. And it's like, yeah, let's have fun ripping this because <laughs> we enjoy doing what we do. Well, you know, and you mentioned earlier, I work, you know, at a, a university at Shenandoah University in Virginia, and uh, I teach writers and I teach actors. And one of the things that I am always talking about is the fact that everybody gets an opinion on movies. You know, like yep. there are movies that I hate for no reason reason at all there are movie stars that i hate for no reason at all and people get to do that and you like part of the life of being an artist is like you just have to not give a damn you know it's like you have to create and make yourself um feel like you have done something good work hard to do that but like what that guy has to feel about me i i can't really care about you know what i mean I mean, I, I do understand because right, yeah. I'm the same way. There's a movie franchise I just can't stand, and, and I'm not a big fan of the main actor mm-hmm. in it. And I'll openly admit it's Twilight, and I'm not a big fan of <laughs> of Robert. Um, so when I heard he was going to be playing Batman, oh, what you're going to do when Batman comes out? You're bumming. I'm I'm going to watch it because I'm curious. And I mean, if he does a great job, actually, I'll give him I'll give him kudos for doing a great job. But I mean, he's, he's actually he's not, a good actor. So well, well he he plays uh, C- uh, Cedric Cedric Diggory who who gets killed in um, Goblet of Fire Harry Potter. in yeah, Harry yeah. Potter. And I'm like, okay, I never realized that. Oh wait, that's the same guy that I despise for this. I love him in Harry Potter. I mean, it's a good role for him. I'm just not a fan of his. It's just like you know, I'm not a big fan of Kristen Stewart either. What, what I also yeah. like is the idea or that like, like, the right role can turn your opinion around. Like I used to hate Daniel Craig because I didn't like his face in that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like his face, and then I saw him in Road to Perdition, and I still didn't like his face. And I'm like, I don't like this guy's face. I don't like him. I don't, you know. And now he's my favorite James Bond, right behind Sean Connery, obviously. But like, <laughs> I've gone back and I've watched like Layer Cake and like. 
it rolled to perdition. And I'm like, he's great. I don't know why I had that reaction, but it, I think it's really cool how the right project, if you go in with the right headspace, can turn you around on things. But I hate certain actors. And like, I tried to watch a movie last night with Cherish, and I won't. I won't mention the movie, but I hated it because I hate the lead actor so much. And that's just, I get to do that. That's my, you know, right as a moviegoer. Yeah. Nobody has to go to school and study cinematography or, you know, film theory in order to have an opinion on movies. And that's why Rotten Tomatoes is right. a thing. That's why, you know, it's everybody gets a say. Well, Derek and I do a with a with a third person, another good friend of ours, a Star Wars podcast called Wookiee Radio. Nice. And with the Disney era movies, because um, that's what they are. They're not the Disney films. It's still Lucas films. Star Wars is the Disney era. Um, each one of us has one in that in the sequel trilogy that we don't like. Yeah. Or or. Actually, not, I won't say like uh, we're most critical of uh, that be a better way. With. <laughs> yeah, but we still love the films because we love the franchise. Yeah, right. And, and you know, you get some stinkers in a, in the franchise. Right. Made to me in American Pie, you know, Naked Mile, eh, Beta House. Eh, to me, those were a little bit of a stinker. But, right. you know, Bandcamp, great film. Book of Love, great film. Girls Rules. Great film. I mean, it happens. You know, it, it's you know, it's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, you could love a friend. You know, I mean, you could love the film and still have issues with it. Right. Um, no, totally. I, and I think I, you know, I guess I'm that way with with Robert. And I like roles he does, but I just don't. I'm just not a fan of his. I'm right, not gonna right. go out. I'm not gonna be the president of his fan club. Yeah. <laughs> that's so. like that's like that's how I feel about like Tom Cruise. Like I don't. I I dislike Tom Cruise so much that any movie he's in, I, my first thought is I don't want to see that. <laughs> but there are some good, there are some films he's been in that I have enjoyed. I don't want to admit it, but <laughs> oh. and I don't even know why I dislike Tom Cruise. I just it just like you said with Daniel Craig, you don't like his face or something. I I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, I, it's a thing. Everybody's got the you know the movie star, the actor that that just bugs them, and it's okay because that's what life is like. You know, there are people that I meet, and I'm like, right, yeah. I just don't like that guy. I don't know why. I, I don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to see him anymore. And <laughs> see, I I can I can relate with the Tom Cruise thing because I know for me, I mean, I, I like his role, Risky Business, great film, um, yeah. Empire or Interview with a Vampire great film but then again that also took place close to you know where i lived for a while you know down there in right, Louis, right. You know, yeah. new orleans um, <laughs> and uh love top gun even though it's navy you know we lived near barksdale <laughs> air force base we saw the right, same right. type of thing you know when the fighters right. would come in it, it's you know that feel good you know i'm not military um melissa is as you remember with her dad right, right. um but i've lived around a lot of air force bases so it's like that vibe of fighter jets is is so cool um like it's an awesome I, movie like when i had gi joe figures yeah i got yeah. the i got the f-14 tomcat because yeah. I, I just had to um I don't know about the sequel. I'm not sold on the sequel yet, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Let's go and see. You know, 
I think the trailer is doing its job. This this is one of those trailers. You're like, okay, we don't know the story, really? Yeah. We Okay, we know there's been an issue with Maverick that he went up high, got busted down again, but still considered one of the top pilots in the military. But is he still at the top, top gun school? Is he an instructor? Because right. we also see him being a test pilot. We think. We think. It's just, it's so all over the place. It's like, okay, <laughs> but it has us talking, which is great. That's what a right. trailer should do. Uh, so I, I'm curious and excited to see the film, uh, but I'm a little weird, leery because, well, it is Tom Cruise. Right. Um, yeah. And right. For me, I started falling out, having a falling out with Tom Cruise uh, right around the, like the midway point of his marriage to Katie Holmes when mm. he like really started to go off the wall. Yeah. Like especially yeah. Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's um, probably complete wacko, but uh, I, I I tend to like I tend to like those Mission Impossible movies. I'll be honest with you. I I, <laughs> I agree. I, I'll I'll go right there with the Mission Impossible. I mean, they're <laughs> they're a fun watch. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who else I would put in that role. Right, and he's also a producer. Which I what that means to me is that his aesthetic has a lot to do with the reason that I like the movie. Right. That being said. I, I agree with you. I, I have misgivings, but <laughs> we we tend to like the same kind of the movie. Did you see The Mummy, though? I have ah. not. Yes. Yeah, not that was an airplane watch that I turned off like 40 minutes. In. I, I went to the theater to see The Mummy, and I regretted Sorry. it. Sorry. I, I'm so glad I, I didn't spend any money on it. I feel you. Uh, it was that movie. Was, uh, strangely. Uh, but so I, bad. I will say so disappointing. Since that whole craziness outside of um, the Mission Impossible films, mm-hmm. a movie that I absolutely love Tom Cruise in is Rock of Ages. You, you and my fiance would have a lot to talk about about that. She she loves it. It's on the TV uh, yeah. all the time. I have not seen it. <laughs> Every it's, time it's she, a fun journey, film. she says that's from Rock of Ages. I'm like, no, that's Journey. Journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fun story. Going the same way. When Melissa and I were starting to date, you you know her. She's a big country music fan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, we're we're driving around town. Um, I think we're heading to Bipsy, and because um, once we started dating, we. Sh- Drove together to school if, since a lot of our classes were together. Sure. Um, and she had just gotten this new Garth Brooks album, and she's playing Shameless. She goes, oh, you got to hear the song. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And she knows I, at the time I did not listen to country. Um, song starts up, and I'm singing right along, word for word. She goes, the song just came out. You don't listen to country. How do you know the song? I said, because I have the original at home. No, this just came out. I'm like, the original was Billy Joel, and it's on the Stormfront album. Oh. We go back mm-hmm. over to my place. I pull out the cassette for Billy Joel Stormfront. I said, see, put it in. She's like, oh, I said, but <laughs> you listen to the two songs and it's two different tales being told with the exact same lyrics. I love me some Billy Joel. Love Billy Joel. Billy Joel is good. <laughs> yeah. now, now, to flip it around a bit and be, you know, positive instead of being so negative, <laughs> there are also there are also actors that you you love everything oh, that sure. they're in too. Like my my wife is a huge fan of Keanu Reeves. She'll watch anything that he's in. He's a hit and he's right there with Tom Cruise. Hit and miss. I liked him. In yeah, Bill, I like the Bill and Ted stuff. Um, yeah. Some of his stuff I love. Some of it I'm like, meh. John Wick was right. great. I, I like the John Wick series. Yeah. Um, 
as much as I love Matrix, he, he to me, he didn't make or break the movie. Eh, I liked him in the Matrix, but the first one at least. But it could that could have been a different person and still gotten the same same role. Same, same mm. thing was same thing with Speed because I think that was kind of proven with Speed too when they recast. Yeah, them. Speed yeah, or Point Break. Yeah, I love Point Break. Point, point Break actually is my Point Break. He <laughs> movie of all time. Now, I, I'm and gonna, I like all the rest of them. I mean, not all the rest of them. I didn't. Bram Stoker's Dracula. I don't count as a good. Can't oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, it's a, no. but it's a great Gary Oldman. Yeah. Bodie, I am an yeah. FBI agent. Come on. <laughs> now, one of, my f- one of my favorite Keanu Reeves movies, I'm going to go very old school, and I think it was his first film, was Youngblood. Never seen it. Youngblood is the hockey is the hockey movie with Patrick yeah. Swayze and Rob Lowe. Wow! And Keanu Reeves <laughs> is the goaltender for the Mustangs, and he actually and with him being Canadian, he actually played hockey. So that that's part of how he got the role. That's awesome. I had no idea that he and uh, 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 Pat I can't remember anybody's name Bodie uh, were in a movie together before. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Huh. It's a it's a it's a fun film. Plus, uh, oh, was it Cheryl Gibb? It's pretty hot. In no, time. no. Is what's it, her name? It's something Gibb. Uh, in Young Blood. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about somebody. I'm thinking about uh, Point Break. Still, I'm only thinking about Point. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cynthia Gibb. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Gibb mm-hmm. is is the love interest in in it. Uh, and Point Blank. We are talking. Uh, we're talking Marsha Gay Hartson. No, that's the no. Newer, that's the newer one. Uh, Did you see that one? I have not seen the newer no. one. I, I, no, I, me either. I, I don't no. want to. No, no, it shouldn't exist. It should just mm-hmm. go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and that leads to another topic: all of the reboots and remakes that they've been doing lately. I know. Yeah. I mean, there's there's always been remakes and stuff, but it seems like. They're remaking movies that don't really need to be re- remade right now. Agreed. Yeah. Give an example. What's a what's an example? Well, the rumored Princess Bride. Um. Well, the Point Break one. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. That that's just a rumor though. Um. That will uh, go over like a uh, lead balloon. Can't remake Princess Bride. Yeah. No. No. It is yeah. perfect. Make a bad movie. Or, make a bad movie. Take a bad movie yeah. with a good idea and, you know, remake that. There's tons of movies that exactly. are badly that's, executed. That's what they should do. Do those. Yep. Yeah, like, like, like you don't need to remake, like, Evil Dead or, or nah, I you agree. know, something like that. Totally. That was just off the top of my head, but I know there's tons more. Uh, I am. But yeah, that's a, they, sh- they should take a movie that wasn't that great but had at least a good idea behind it and remake that. Right. Agreed. I am not. This is so difficult. On IMDb has changed things up, and I'm not liking the format. <laughs> what are you looking for? I can't, I'm looking for Point Break, but when I went to find it, um, it gave me everything but <laughs> the Keanu Reeves movie. As I'm flipping through his uh, portfolio to get to it, um, loved. Oh, just saw it. Right He's up. on fire right now. Yeah. He can't, um, he can't make a misstep, it seems. 47 Ronin, mm. I enjoyed. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting twist to. I forgot all about that. To that yeah. mythology. And there's been so many different tales or variations of that story. And I thought his was good. Um, obviously, uh, oh, I just hate when the, when I'm scrolling through so fast, I, I missed it. Uh, Constantine, who's great in Constantine. Yeah, that was a good movie. 
See, uh, I didn't like Constantine as much. Yeah. I think they strayed too far from, well, first of all, you know, Constantine's British, so. Right. Hey, he's <laughs> Canadian. Cl- close enough. No, <laughs> no. He proved that in Dracula. <laughs> That's very true. That's a very good point. Um, the replacements. That was not a good, not a good accent. I like the replacements. Replacements. I haven't seen it since, so it may not still be good, but I loved it when I was in high school. Play replacements. I think it's still timeless. I haven't seen that in ages. I actually. How dare you? <laughs> um, I did, I did a an event a yeah a special event at Epcot and our guest speaker for the event was Orlando Jones. Oh really? Wow. And uh, hmm. so I got to hang with him for a little bit backstage because I had to mic him up. That's cool. Because uh, I was the A two on the event and we we pulled uh, some quotes from um, Drumline from yeah. uh, Evolution. Which, oh I think, which I think I, I floored him by going evolution. Uh, of course, uh, with replacement, I said, hey, it, remember, you could, you could catch your show notes when you go out. If not, I got plenty of stick them. He goes, is that legal? Is that really legal? I said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, he, he was just starting um, Oh, American. Oh, crap. I can't think of it. Now I got to look that up. <laughs> This is this is the tangents we go on. I like it. Um, let me let me ask you a question. I'm yeah. um, so my movie Getaway is like this horror film, right? American uh, Gods is, your, is what I'm thinking of. American Gods is a great show. Uh, I only watched the first season, so I don't really know. But first I season, I haven't was watched great. it yet, but I want to. I like him on it. But I'm having to do. Uh, I'm I'm talking about horror a lot. Do you guys have favorite horror films that like stand out in your brain? Um. I'm a sucker for the original uh, Nightmare and Halloween series. Yeah. I, Halloween's yeah. my favorite horror film, but, like, I love Freddy. But I can't say that I really think any of those movies are really great, but I haven't watched the original Nightmare on the Street in a long time. But I love Freddy. But but they're a lot of fun. I think yeah. my all-time favorites, though, is the the Living Dead series. Interesting. I, and part of that is because uh, I got to meet George Romero. I got to meet Rick Baker because um, they were doing some filming when I s- went off to college. The first college mm-hmm. I went to at Carnegie Mellon, um, we got to go on set and help for a day uh, on filming for uh, the remake of Night of the Living Dead. Which with that, that's a remake that I did not mind at all. I love the original black and white. Yeah. Um, And I was okay with I I was okay with the remake because George Romero was remaking his film Mm -hmm. and was at a point he had more money. So he could do do a totally different look with this with the same script that I was okay with. As long as he doesn't special edition it. No, uh, obviously, well, again, he had more money from the studios by doing the remake. So, I mean, I think it was just he was able to do more effects, give it a more modern look Mm. and and use current technologies and and the technologies that he was wanting, probably wanting back then. Um, I'll have to check that one out. Female in Point Break. Are we thinking Lori Petty? Lori Petty. That's that's who she was. 
Tank Girl. Love Tank Girl. Oh yeah, yeah. Tank Girl's one of my my guilty, another one of my guilty pleasures. And I'm a big wrestling fan. Yeah. NXT has this one gal who comes out in like a a go kart type tank. Yeah. Uh, and her name is Shasi Blackheart, <laughs> and she's wearing the helmet with the horns. And all I could think of is Lori Petty's tank girl with her. Lori Petty. And uh, and That's I think that was she, she probably got a lot of inspiration from that. But I love Lori I Petty. Think, um, um, in the Army Now was a great film. Yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. I haven't, I don't, I haven't seen her do anything in a while. Uh, I will look her up to see what she. See, I never realized well, she was. Well, you do that. Yeah, I will. Uh, she was what a deadly that she was Kit in A League of Her Own. Mm-hmm. She, she just had that oh, yeah. look of yeah. like, oh, this is not Tyler. I mean, it, it, just the way she has progressed look wise various films been incredible mm, yeah uh she was in a movie this year that came out called a deadly legend oh, huh. and she was in the series oh. orange is a new black yeah i remember seeing oh, her that's another one i still haven't watched yet it's good it feels like it goes on a little longer than it should but yeah like the first two seasons are really good yeah um, now going back to the horror thing, I have to say uh, my probably my favorite is uh, what I mentioned before, Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. But there's also this great movie, um, this little known movie that stars Jeff Goldblum. It's called Mr. Frost. And Jeff Goldblum plays uh, this guy who, who's a serial killer. And he's in a in a mental institution because yeah. he's claiming he's the devil. And throughout the whole movie, you don't you don't know if he if he's just insane or if he really is the devil or what the way they play it. Wow. Yeah, well, I it's really the, good. He's such an interesting actor. And I, yes. I thought he's great in a scary movie. I mean, he's great in the fly, but like, you know, seeing right, yeah. like a serial killer or something would be great. I'll check that out. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It's one of your favorites, you say? Yeah. Oh, I'll tell, it, tell check it out. It might be hard to find, but it's really worth it. It's really good. Isn't everything on Amazon Prime? I don't know. It should be. Everything should be on Amazon Prime. That's that one isn't. What? We tried to find it. Yeah. Kathy Baker. Yeah. That's a good cast. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, and my, me and uh, one of my friends do another podcast called Keepers of the Fringe, where we watch a uh, like a, a low budget movie every week and and talk about it and review it and uh so we go we go to amazon a lot to find some of the movies because there's a lot of stuff on there well you have to watch getaway which comes out december 22nd i'm just saying december 22nd oh cool on on amazon no it's it's, uh it's it'll be renting rentable on amazon uh but it's uh you know itunes all the rental places and uh DVD and Blu-ray. Awesome, cool. Boom. Uh, definitely well, check that out. I have to try and get Excellent. the blue. I have to try and get the Blu-ray. Yeah, you do. So, so it helps put money back in your pocket. Would love that. What <laughs> support a slasher movie? So, if you like slasher movies, I do like slasher films. That's the one. Yeah. I mean, nice. I, I like old school slasher. I mean, it's it's so funny. Uh, we work with a, a PR group uh, who has brought a lot of guests to the show. Um, called October Coast. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with them. Not off the top of my head. And, no. and especially September, October, we get 
hey, you want people from this horror, independent horror film? It's like, oh yeah, please. <laughs> um, were they the Were they the ones that got us uh, Felissa Rose that time from think, Sleepaway Camp? I think so. I think so. I have to go. See, now you can make me go look. <laughs> that was a was. fun time. If it wasn't, if it wasn't them, it was the other guy that stopped. Sleepaway Camp. There's a crazy movie. Is it good? I'm looking it up now, but I, I've never um, heard. There's Fel- it's, Felisa, yeah, Felisa, it's, Felisa Rose. Felisa Rose. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Fel- yeah. Um, uh, it was interesting. Um, <laughs> okay. There's a crazy twist at the end. Um, it it was October Coast. Because uh, it was right before I hooked um, up with the other guy. I would say check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's worth checking out. Our, our, our movie, we were, we shot it in Virginia around Shenandoah University, which you know well. I do. Um, know well. In in the wilderness of West Virginia, uh, we oh. found a uh, a boys uh, uh, sleepaway camp. You know I, that uh, was uh, yeah. closed for the season. It's now become an Airbnb camp where you can go out and you oh, know, uh, really? And all that. Yeah. And it was. See, awesome. I know the I know the camp you're talking about. Yeah, it's called the the one that we shot. I was called Buffalo Gap. Is yeah, is it, it, on on your way to uh, Charlestown, West Virginia, Probably. our preferred area. I'm not quite. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Buffalo Cap Retreat is the name of it. Buffalo Gap Retreat, and we uh, went up there, and we're like, we'd like to shoot here, and they were like, yeah, okay, we close November 1st, so you can come up here, and it was like, oh, that sounds amazing, and then we got up there, and we realized that it was cold as hell, uh, again, <laughs> I, I wasn't used to Virginia, uh, winters yet, uh, um, <laughs> and they were closing, shutting down the water, which we're like, that will bring our own water, but they're like, no, no, like that means toilets, that means shower, that, like everything. And we convinced them to right. keep the on for just a few days. But it was a crazy oh, nice. nice shoot of like yeah, yeah. blood splattered, you know, craziness. But yeah, we we yeah, have sounds fun. We have Felissa and uh, her writer, uh, James Cullen Bresak. Um on talking about for Jennifer, which is part mm-hmm. of the Gen- uh, Jennifer horror franchise. I don't know what that is. What is that? Uh, is that for Jennifer? Like for F O R Jennifer, but it's the fourth film in this Jennifer franchise. Interesting. Am I missing something? Is this something that people are Dominic Swain? I know who she is. Um, uh, we weren't. Well, I wasn't really familiar with it. I wasn't that I familiar with might, it. But. No, I wasn't either. I mean, I was more. Fami- well, we also had a, another actress uh, from the movie on the show previously you know, f- for a different film, uh, Madeline Wade. We're like, hey, you had Madeline on, and we, we know oh, her yeah. too. Um, but I, I don't remember the other. F- I know this is based on. This was a. F- they said it was. Uh, the fourth film in the franchise. Hmm. Wow. That's why it's called for Jennifer. Oh, I see. I get it. Um, That's clever. But I, I don't know the other films. Three Jennifer. <laughs> um, no, talk on it. I like clever titles. Um, no, Felissa was, was wonderful. Uh, That's really, cool. yeah. Yeah. She was cool. I mean, we're, we're old enough. I mean, we're, 
from the from the uh, the eighties and some of the campy mm-hmm. horror films that came out for like Cinemax or HBO, yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah, okay. I actually I actually enjoyed the uh, the Tales from the Crypt movies. I like those. Yeah, I saw those. Uh, I guess the second film in the Jennifer franchise was called Two Jennifer, and it was the number two Jennifer. Okay, of course. Yeah. That's also clever, but it makes Four Jennifer less clever. <laughs> yeah, it does take away. It does um, take away a little bit. But two Jennifer is a good <laughs> sequel name. I definitely think so. But I, I don't know. Uh, well, let me ask you this: Do you know who the actor Jeffrey Combs is? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. He's the Reanimator. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah, know, yeah. I had never seen the Reanimator, and I did a movie uh, uh, a few years ago. Uh, with him and the director was like Jeffrey Combs is coming today and it's going to be and I'm like I don't should I know who Jeffrey Combs is I don't I don't know who that is and like I googled him or, and I'm like I don't get it and he's like the reanimator dude I'm like oh <laughs> Okay, I've never seen the reanimator, and literally he did the socially ex- uh, acceptable version of slapping me in the face, and like we're watching it this weekend, you idiot. And then I got to work with the reanimator, which was really cool. Once I knew who the That's reanimator awesome. was and that it meant yes. anything. But he was awesome and like a really cool guy and a good actor and all that stuff. All the good things he was. But it was like I was the horror idiot who didn't know that. And now I'm terrified because I'm going on these podcasts that are horror based. And I feel like I'm I'm lacking, you know, the 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 Wikipedia like pull up of uh, horror. So now I'm asking everybody about their favorite horror. Film. Well, he, he, he was also <laughs> in The Frighteners. As well. Michael J. Fox. Oh yeah, right? yeah. yeah. So that one. Yeah, Michael J. Fox was my uh, youthful uh, idol. Okay. Ah yes, I love Michael J. Fox. Me too. So, um, well, I guess we'll we'll spin it back on you. What's your favorite horror film? I my favorite horror films is Halloween one. Halloween one, I think, is great. I think I love the suspense. I love the how simple it is and, you know, and yet incredibly fulfilling and incredibly scary. And you watch it again and again and you're like, some of this stuff is so, you know, what's the right word? Uh, You know, lo-fi, you know, it's like Mm. you don't see the kill. You don't actually see how he hangs somebody on a wall. There's no fancy special effects. It's that whole less is more. Filmmaking. Yeah. It's like less and more's approach. Yep. Yeah. And he just keeps coming and it's so scary to me that that's, you know, why I wanted to make getaway the way that we did. Um, but, uh, I love all of it except for, I don't really like the torture porn thing. You know, I, I'm not into the, just like it, it, here's a weird comparison. It makes me feel like I'm watching, uh, uh, Oh, what's it? Curb your enthusiasm makes me very uncomfortable. makes me very uncomfortable because it's awkward comedy and it makes me kind of go like this. <laughs> thing I do when I'm seeing like entrails being, you know, tossed right. around and stuff. It's just like, it's the same thing of like, I'm not enjoying myself anymore. Uh, so uh, I like the suspense and scary and the less is more, but just enough blood and violence to, you know, I, I'm not afraid of violence. I I don't like the, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. You guys are. Well, then we could give you a a recommendation of a 
film that came out last year. What is it? Uh, it's called Animal Among Us. I'm not familiar. That, that has a very much less is more approach. And it's, it's a great film as well. Uh, with uh, director Jonathan, uh, John Woodruff and Jonathan Murphy as writer and producer. Huh. I, I've never heard of it, but I feel like I've heard of John Woodruff. Why is that? It's just a very it's a good name. Um, awesome. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, I guess to continue down the horror line to help prep you for other shows. Yes, prep me, please. Um, <laughs> horror film that literally scared the crap out of you that you enjoyed but won't watch unless you absolutely have to. Oh. And if you want to spend that same question on us. No, please or, jump in while I'm thinking for, of it. For me, it's The Exorcist, the original yeah, Exorcist. Too. <laughs> what a great movie. I love that movie. I love how cinematic that film is. And also like just, a, hey, we're going to get crazy with the horror, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. looking back, I mean, watching I it, it watching it now, it's like, okay, yeah, the effects are super, super cheesy. I know how they're I all done. Haven't watched it again. But fair enough. I, I that's one. I think the the next and probably last time I ever watch it is when Zoe says, "Hey, Daddy, can we watch The Exorcist? Uh-huh. If we must." <laughs> I did the dumb thing and I watched it uh, by myself one day, one night, and uh, yeah, I'll never do that again. I I watched it by myself because it was on HBO back when I was like twelve or thirteen. Oh yikes! That was yeah, mistake one. Do it. <laughs> that was mistake one. Love the film. I think it's an amazing film. But yeah, no, I can't. The movie's like masterful. It really is. It doesn't yeah. get old. It doesn't get less scary. You can watch it a million times, and it's still scary. Yeah. I watch. So when I saw this movie, it scared the bejesus out of me, and. I wouldn't watch it again, and then I watched it with my fiance, and she was like, whatever. And it totally took the magic away, you know, and I was looking at it with a whole new light. Uh, the Descent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see The Descent? I have not seen no. that one. I, I believe it's Australia or New Zealand, and I know people of either of that country would be very offended that I didn't know the difference, but I don't. <laughs> uh, it's one of those. And it's it's about this group of uh, spelunkers, female spelunkers go down. And then the first half of the movie is about them being like underground claustrophobia, like things are falling and it's very scary. And then there are all these crazy monsters down there. Scared the heck out of me. Can we curse on this? I won't. Uh, Scared me badly. And but then Cherish watched it and was like. Yeah, I don't get it. And it totally took the air of the room and like destroyed the mythos for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Since we're going there, your opinion on probably one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. And and Derek should be very afraid of what I'm about to say. That should Howard the Duck. Let me tell you a story about Howard the Duck. I got a story about Howard the Duck. Oh, <laughs> here we go. Pierre Beaujemont, uh, 1989, maybe somewhere around there, old enough to be left at the, uh, you know, movie theater, but not right. old enough to really, you know, uh, uh get myself there. Now, uh, for, for the record, the movie came out, it came out in 86. 86. So okay. Uh, so yeah, I was like, I was young, 10, 11. I don't know. Good. I can't do math. Anywho, I'm there. And I'm there at the 10 a.m. screening of Howard the Freaking Duck, and nobody's in there but me. And I went out, I, you know, girded my loins and went and spoke to the teenager who worked at the AMC. And I said, 
hey, do you still play the movie if nobody comes but me? You know, like I'm terrified that they're going to be like, it's just Blaine. <laughs> Send everybody home. Forget it. Like, it's not worth it. <laughs> Let's just call it for the day. <laughs> Because I really want to see Howard the Duck. And I watched it twice that day, and then I came back uh, and saw it again. Uh, Weird. A very weird movie. And I have not watched it as a grown-up. You'll like this. Last year, Father's Day, Zoe goes, Daddy, can we watch Howard the Duck? Because I want to see what this film is about since you talk about it all the time. Sure. Wait a minute. You talk about Howard the Duck all the time? Because this is something that we need to explore a little bit more. (laughs) No, he does. He talks about Howard the Duck all the time. I love the movie. I I enjoyed it. Leah Thompson. Oh, I liked Leah Thompson. You know, Leah, what, Leah Thompson across the bed, crawling across. Yeah, that was a, that was a great scene. Yes. Hey, PG thirteen or PG film. It should have been rated PG thirteen, and they still got and they still got away with duck boobies. Yeah. <laughs> It was <laughs> That's a strangely what, sexual movie for a kid in 1986 to go and see. To well, be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, Zoe. I was 10. I did the math. I was 10. Zoe was nine <laughs> when we yeah. saw it here because she her birthday's in November. When when the scene where he blasts, where the chair, him in the chair blasts through the different right, right. apartments. And we see, I'm like, I knew, th- I knew it was coming. I was like, wait, how am I going to explain this? And it just <laughs> happened. And Zoe mm-hmm. never said a word. So when the film ended, I was like, so what'd you think? She goes, daddy, George Lucas had better success with Star Wars than he did with Howard the Duck. This is true. I'm like, would you watch this again? She goes, No. <laughs> From the mouths of babes. (laughs) I got to be honest. I don't want to attack Howard the Duck because it meant something to me. But I have no interest in watching Howard the Duck again. I feel like it was a (laughs) lonely, lonely Saturday at the movies where no one. (laughs) Then is it sad that I own a copy of it on DVD? And on Blu-ray, and I'm looking for you, man. And I'm looking to judge, and I'm gonna, and I'm looking for the laser disc and the VHS copies, uh, <laughs> just to have uh, them. People will be happy to get rid of them, so you have that going for you. You might be able to get a deal. Now, when 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 I lived in New York, um, which is where I saw the film, um, I was already reading the comics because I someone had set it out somewhere on in the back issue area. And I'm yeah. like, okay, here's a Marvel character that kind of looks like Donald Duck. Cool, let's check it out. And I fell in love with the comic. And I heard, movie? George Lucas? <laughs> Star Wars and Indiana Jones guys doing this? Cool. <laughs> Um, and I've heard since that Lucas regrets doing the film. Um, but I believe he made it happen, right? Like infamously, he like pushed yeah. that movie through, didn't he? Like, yeah, he can't. I feel like I see that again. We're going to come back to the the reviews and stuff like that. You are who you are when you are that person. You can learn from that. You know, you can become better at your skill set. You can become better at your art. But like the way that Lucas goes back and recuts and reimagines his earlier work, I think is almost criminal. Right. Uh, you know, it's like mm. just let it be what it was when you were that age. Like you know, 
I mean, you know, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, you know, uh, literally gambled every dollar that he had on a giant musical with Liza Minnelli that was all shot inside recreating a New York cityscape. He doesn't come out and like trash that movie on the daily basis or it's just like. I was wrong. I thought it'd be cool. <laughs> you know, uh, anyways, that, that's, that's my opinion. It's like, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Well, artists make mistakes, but I, I don't like this whole, like tossing it asunder. Well, we'll, we'll go with yeah. Rotten Tomatoes yeah. the, on the tomato meter. 14%. Hey, still past. What's my doodle? Still better than the fantastic flop. That movie was a piece of garbage. That uh, fantastic four movie. That, oh, that movie was. And horrible. it was cynical. And it's like that's like Howard the yeah. Duck was not cynical. You know, Howard the Duck was like, here's a fun movie that maybe right. didn't hit with some people, but Fantastic Four was like they were better than the movie or something. I don't mm. know. Uh, I'll never, I'll never understand those wigs. I, I did you have you guys watched uh, the Queen's Gambit? on netflix i no, just started watching it fantastic it's good um, it's you know it's it's at a pace you know it's not like you know uh, right. fireworks and stuff but like the wigs in that movie are better than any wig i've seen like fantastic four my <laughs> favorite thing are the memes of her like wig which is the worst wig I've ever seen ever. And I'm like, they have people that do this. Like, this is like, you know, Fox or something. They have like one of the oldest movie studios in the world. You could literally go pull a wig that was worn by Liz Taylor and it would be better than what they used. Anyways, that kind of like laziness kills me from an independent filmmaker who's constantly like my mantra is – we will not get away with anything. Like we will be judged harshly for absolutely everything. We cannot give people any uh, any opportunity to point out our budget. You know, if the background sucks, we move into a close-up. You know, like we don't give that opportunity. And to see a movie of that budget with a girl wearing a wig that looks like it was like from the you know the costume store, you know, in Target is offensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. We we talked early in the show about how I pitched you as Han Solo and thought you would be a great Han Solo. Love it. With the bomb, the atomic bomb, Disney dropped, Disney Lucasfilm Marvel dropped yesterday. Mm-hmm. Do you plan on auditioning for any of the Star Wars or Marvel projects that are going to be direct to Disney plus. I mean, I'd kill for it. I'd kill for it. You know, like, uh, that, that's exactly, you know, my favorite things are uh, again, working on things that are bigger, that, you know, have a, a footprint, uh, that, that would be a dream scenario. I plan on it, whether or not I get to go in there and do it, you know, that's another question, but like, my goodness, like Peter Pan has been an amazing thing for me american pie has been great you know i did a superman movie and uh that was you know a short that i made that makes me so happy just to be a part of that big world right uh it's a it's a dream scenario you know uh see now now i see you i i think you would be um great a great addition to this uh rangers of the new republic series oh yeah i mean that would be awesome oh yeah I love I love Star Wars. I love I love all of that world. That would be really cool. 
Dude. Is that the Patty Jenkins one? Is that the. No, that's Rogue Squadron. Oh. Which I'm excited for. See, I did not know that she's the daughter of a fighter pilot. Yeah, me neither. I didn't know that. And her. If you go, I know if you go to her Twitter, she's got a little uh, sizzle that talks about, you know, love for speed. You know, yeah. the fact that she's the daughter of a fighter pilot and that you know, her dad died while serving in the air, uh, serving the military. Um, and then she goes, you know, I want to um, do want to do a film that kind of touches on something like that. But I would love to do a film that combines both of my loves. And she yeah. breaks out this X-Wing pilot's helmet, puts it on. You see her walk away wearing an orange jumpsuit heading towards the next wings. Like, and then it goes Star Wars Rogue Squadron. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Perfect. Love it. Uh, I'm with that. I'm actually stoked. The only yeah. thing that's throwing me with it is they say mm-hmm. it takes place pre Rogue One. I'm like, no. Yeah. Rogue Squadron Rogue Squadron was named Rogue Squadron in because of Rogue One, the the crew of Rogue One. Right. So I, I think it needs sense. I think it needs to be something set be, during the original trilogy era, not between the prequels and the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I, I I trust her though. I I, I yeah, want I want to see where she I yeah, want to see where she goes with it. Let's take a quick break. Um, I'm gonna and I'm gonna play this little bit from our friend Mark Witt with Mark Witt Coaching. Have you ever wanted to deeply connect with someone the way Vision does with Scarlet Witch, or be the stand-up guy like Cyclops is for Jean Grey? Well, you don't have to be fused to an Infinity Stone or be the leader of a superhero team to have the kind of relationships in life we all long for. Mark Went is a men's wisdom coach, and after people work with him, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. That's M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. To the Batmobile. Let's go. And we're back. Now you mentioned Superman. Uh, mm-hmm. You you did. Uh, was it Jason? losing Lois Lane? Losing Lois Lane. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was Lois Lane. I don't have your IMDb pulled up to get to it. But what made you, besides your love of Superman, how did that particular film short come about, and where can people find it now to watch it? That's a good question. I think it's it, – I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. It used to be on Funny or Die. I don't know if Funny or Die is still around, but uh, it, it's mm-hmm. searchable on YouTube, I believe. But it's um, – basically what happened was I wrote a movie called Manic, and uh, I was uh, I, I was going to make this movie and star in it and re- make it with my co-writer, and we were both going to act in it, blah, blah, blah. And um, – I had to take a smaller role because they wanted Joseph Gordon-Levitt to be in it. Ah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is awesome, by the way. He's so cool. And if I, you know, my standard joke is if you have to be replaced in a movie, you should be replaced by Joseph Gordon-Levitt because he's amazing and a cool guy. So anyways, we made this movie and I hated the director so much that I decided that I wanted to direct. And um, I came out of that movie and Peter Pan was happening, so I had a little bit of money, you know, and I was like, okay, let's see if I can direct. And so the idea was I wanted to act and direct like I had seen Tommy Lee Jones do in the cowboy movie we had made before. Uh, I wanted to try that. So 
my roommate and I uh, and my later business partner, Brandon Barrera, we just kind of came up with this idea of what if Superman was like, you know, the idea is always that Superman is really cool and smart and savvy and he pretends to be a nerd to be Clark Kent. But what if he's actually like a giant nerd and that's his realness and Superman is more the act. So we made, you know, this <laughs> short about what if Clark Kent got dumped by Lois Lane and he couldn't motivate to save people. And that's what the short's about. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little self-indulgent. It's a little silly, but it was super fun for us. And I, I still love it very much. I love that. That's awesome. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, please I, do. I did check it out back when it was on Funny or Die. Um, and and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm, Thanks. I'm surprised they didn't contact you for that or for something in the DC universe because of that. I think I, I have a, a comic book love that I feel like that James Gunn has, you know, of like, I feel like that's something I would love to do. But like, that's, you know, that's a, a lottery win. It's a million to one. And um, I, I, I would love to do that kind of thing. But uh, it's it, there's a lot of people between me and that job. <laughs> wrongly, wrongly. But <laughs> <laughs> now I, I've I've gone through again, I've been scanning. um part of your imdb and saw we we've had uh someone from the production side of this series on the show a man by the name of javier grillo Moxwatch. oh he's been on the show he's been on the show way back oh, I love him. and you are on his show the middleman that's right i, I love how he, he's that's how i so i did the middleman and i played an alien and i had like uh you know like a huge latex alien face on and the star of The Middleman is an actress named Natalie Morales. Yep. And so we spent two days together, you know, with me doing this like guest star kind of thing. And I always looked like this, you know, the whole joke of my part was I'm an alien who looks like a person that has had too much plastic surgery. So I'm like, <laughs> I looked awful. I looked awful. Uh, but uh, I met her on that set. And then uh, after we did that show, I went off and made, directed, wrote and directed a movie called Six Month Rule. And uh, we had this actress lined up for the lead act, lead part, and she pulled out at the last second, and we needed an actress. And I immediately thought of Natalie Morales because we had just worked together, and I thought she was awesome, even though she has no idea what I look like or anything like that. Uh, my my agent went and made the offer to her, and she's like, I don't know this guy. She's like looking at my pictures. She's like, who's this? And like I had to be like, I'm the guy that had the latex on his face. Like you never saw my real <laughs> face. But uh, then we did six months roll together. And uh, she's amazing in that. And she's gone on to do a cabillion things, including Parks and Rec. And, you know, uh, she's now directing and she's awesome. And she's, you know, everyone will know her name next year is my prediction. But that being said, uh, Javi then directed Natalie and I in a music video that he directed. So. I love him. He's great and like so accomplished, lost yeah. and you know everything. Like Sequest. He's, he's now he he just did the Dark Crystal thing, which yeah. I heard was amazing. Oh. I, so I, need, I need to get him back on the show. Yeah, hey, you, to him. He's such a good guy. Like he, and you mentioned you mentioned Joseph Gordon. Love it. I, that's yeah. another person I would love to get on the show. Yeah, Joe's he's awesome. One of the nicest guys in Hollywood. I I always feel like of the the super famous people that I've worked with, he and Matt Damon are the literal nicest mm. like 
salt of the earth people that you'll ever meet. If you can help hook them up, that's cool for the show. That'd be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll pull some strings. We're not exactly like you know, uh, you know, uh, texting every day, but uh, I, I I do love them. <laughs> you, you know people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I can't wait to show because um, I remember watching this movie with Melissa when when she was pregnant, um, and I think this was the first outside of Peter Pan. This was the first movie I saw you in was Weather Girl. Oh yeah, yeah. I, Weather I, Girl. I I also I wrote and directed that, and I'm in it for like two seconds, you know. But uh, but and sold to Lifetime for a bunch of money, and yeah. Lifetime seemed to like it, and you know I, that that got me out of the hole I got into when I directed my first feature. <laughs> so I, I want I want to show I want Zoe to be able to see. It's like this is Blaine's film when the year you were born. Yeah, that's eleven years yeah. ago. I'm very proud of that movie. It's uh, nice. it's it's a great cast: Mark Harmon and John Cryer and Jane yep. Lynch. And uh, uh, yeah, great film. They're the best. Thanks. Um, and then I know Melissa. Her only IMDb credit that she has is when she was part of your Kickstarter for Favor. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, that's that's really nice. That's really nice. So like. Favor was, uh, it really was uh, like grassroots, like we couldn't have made that movie, you know, without people like you guys, Melissa, like helping out and supporting us. And like, it turned out so well, like, I really like it. If you like creepy thrillers, yeah, uh, Yeah. it it won so many awards on the festival circuit. And, you know, there are people that... You know, I'm a director, too. So when, you know, I meet somebody and they're like, I love favor. I'm like, OK, what about what about Weather Girl? Did you see Weather Girl? <laughs> <laughs> Paul Osborne is the writer director of that film. And he's a, he's a friend and so talented. And uh, everyone loves it. And it makes me mad because I'm jealous a little bit. Well, <laughs> I, I will say I know I watched Weather Girl because Melissa did. Yeah, you know, we we have tried to watch your films as we catch them. I appreciate that um, because obviously you know you're you're a friend of hers, uh, which I think we like. I said we we met probably once or twice after she had graduated. I know we we crossed paths a couple times in Shreveport yeah. when you were there, um, but it's. You know, we we support people we know. Um, I was in a youth group region with Seth Green and have always followed Seth Green and been a fan yeah. of his. Uh, even with the few stinkers he did, um, I it's it's like Star Wars. Yeah, I can, I can let him slide because you know I know someone in it. I have I have a, an attachment to it. Um, well, he's, but, he's incredibly talented. And what's, yeah. what's fun about yeah. L.A. and that little world is that, you know, like I was a teen actor, you know, uh, out here, right. you know, with Seth and he, he's great friends with Breck and Meyer. And we all knew each other. And like, you know, it's just a crazy world where you keep getting older and like people are there, you know, they, yeah. they stick around and they're working and. To see the the work that Seth has done has been, you know, great. And, you know, I, I admire him for it. See, one of my favorite roles of his mm-hmm. is a little is a lesser known film called Airborne. That was all filmed in uh, Cincinnati area. I don't know it. It's uh, cousin Seth's cousin comes to town from L.A. and is a, like a rad skater. Mm hmm. Oh uh, yes, I know what you're talking about. It's I a, think, it's I a think it's called, yeah. Well, me at the time I was playing roller hockey, and well, there's roller hockey in this, yeah. and 
cool, I'm, I'm sold, I'm down. Uh, I know the IHL, and hey, look, Cincinnati Cyclones jerseys. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I always wanted one of those jerseys from that movie, um, that they wear in that movie. And I'm like, yeah. missed out. But uh, to cycle back around, I know people who were actually on the equipment staff for, for that team. I'm like, oh, cool, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, you know, it's one of those films it's like he, he wasn't, he was a supporting actor in it and, it, and it's a great yeah. film. It's, it's a fun film and it was just fun. Um, obviously the first film he ever did was, uh, was it the Budapest? Can't Buy Me Love? Was no, that that's when I first? met, that was when I met him. Yeah. Was right after he did Can't Buy Me Love. We're at, we're at the Jewish summer camp and, um, he's coming, you know, rumors going around. There's a, there's a movie actor here. There's a movie actor here. And he's going around. Hi, Seth Green, actor. Hi, Seth Green, actor. <laughs> <laughs> you know Seth. It's right up his alley. Well, I was doing a professional off-Broadway show in upstate New York, um, mm-hmm. in Elmira, New York. And I'm. It was, it was a cold enough day that day. I was wearing my show jacket. And he comes up to me. I was like, he's like, hi, Seth Green, actor. I'm like, hi, Mike Emke, technician, theatrical <laughs> technician. And I'm wearing my jacket and it says Emke, elect electrics because yeah. i was part of the lighting crew and we call it and the lighting crew is called electrics for whatever yeah. for that show and he goes dude i'm gonna stay on your good side i'm like oh someone who knows how to treat the crew well there you go <laughs> um then we come find out his i love his mom barbara's great but i i've heard so many stories of her being a stage mom it's like all right but I mean, she doubled for a while as his manager too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I know one of his early films was uh, Radio Days. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he played young Woody Allen, right? Yep. Yeah, which was amazing. I haven't seen that one in a long time. But his first film, Hotel New Hampshire, was his first film. Oh, I feel like I should know that movie. I don't. Uh, and I want to say that was a Rob Lowe film. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I love how he played Howard the Duck in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I was not a fan of the look of that particular. <laughs> well, I defer to you. And it comes the, back to Howard the Duck. <laughs> it does. The look of Howard the Duck. <laughs> so for Seth's first film, Hotel New Hampshire, here's the cast. Rob Lowe, Jodie Foster, Bo Bridges, um, Matthew Modine. Paul McCrane, Lisa Baines, um, Wallace Shawn. I love Wallace Shawn. That's another person I would love to get on the show. Um, Wilford Brimley. I did a movie with Wilford Brimley. Really? Yeah. That cowboy movie that Tommy Lee Jones directed, Wilford was in it. Very cranky. He's a very cranky man. And then you go mention Tommy Lee Jones. Not surprising. Yeah. Which movie was this? It's called The Good Old Boys. It was a TNT uh, movie made for TNT. Uh, And uh, I often think of it as like a cosmic joke on everyone that was in it, except for me. Like it was literally just to teach me what I wanted to be and how to act because it was Tommy Lee Jones, Sam Shepard, Matt Damon, Francis McDormand, uh, Terry Kinney, who's a huge Chicago actor, like uh, like all of these people that were iconic and amazing. And we were all in the middle of nowhere in Alpine, Texas, and they had to hang out with me because I had no, nothing else to do. I was just, you know, <laughs> an 18 year old kid who didn't have a rental car and was just like. Matt, what are you doing? And because he was such a nice guy, he would take me along and, you know, I would have these experiences where like 
Sam Shepard was talking about playwriting and I'm like, you write plays. And Matt's like, just shut up and listen. Just shut up and, listen. <laughs> and like, there's, you know, a billion stories like that, that I don't know why I was lucky enough to be on that set and have that experience, but I'm thankful for it. Very cool. And of course I also see Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. Oh my God. I can't believe it. Sissy Spacek, like who like took me under her wing and was like always nice to me. Everybody was so nice, except for Tommy Jones, who isn't just a nice guy, but very talented. And so <laughs> everyone else was extra nice to balance out TL. <laughs> so so how how did you not get involved in the Fried Green Tomatoes series that was filmed over in Natchitoches, the TV series? I, I don't know anything about it. Is it new? Is it old? No, is this is old. You know? I remember this was... Uh, shortly after the film, they they were shooting the uh, the series over in Natchitoches when when we were. I know this was all being done when um, Melissa and I were dating. Shortly after we started dating, uh, odds are I wasn't savvy enough to know what was going on, or I was in L.A. and you know, I, what, what I like now is that agencies seem to look at the entire country, you know, as a thing, whereas. When I was growing up, like I had an agent in Dallas and it was like I could do things in Dallas or 100 miles away from Dallas. But if it was in Oklahoma, there were no auditions. You know what I mean? So like I I do feel like what has happened to the world is it's become way more global of like I'm here in L.A., but I have an agent in Louisiana who will send me out for things anywhere in the world. And that's very exciting. But like I I, I think it's totally believable that I was in L.A. and – uh, even though I would have been a local hire for Natchitoches, never the twain shall meet. You know, no no conversation happened about and, that. And here you are talking to a guy in near Orlando, Florida and near Boston. Exactly. So Exactly. Um yeah. so you you said you had an agent in Dallas. Did you ever do any projects over at uh the studios at Las Colinas? Yeah. Well I, I, I didn't book, but I went there several times for Walker, Texas Ranger back in the day. Yeah. Yep. That was right there. Did you work there? Did not. But when uh, Melissa and I, I forgot what class it was, um, but each semester we did a field trip over to the art museum Yeah, over there. And uh, mo- most of the crew, it's like they went over, you know, stayed the night and everyone came back. Well, we stayed the weekend. Mm-hmm. So we would go um, and typically, you know, obviously we try to hit um, – Oh, was it the the restaurant, the Magic Time Machine? No, yeah, there. I love that place. People dressed up like Superman and Spider Man, yeah. and I love Sa- that place. School bus is That's a salad my- bar. Yeah, or the salad bar That's is a school funny. bus. Um, oh, flashback! I haven't thought of that place in a very long time. But we we saw something about this place called Studios of Las Colinas, and we went, and it's like, oh, cool. And um, you know, we were told, you know, this is where. Barney was filmed is filmed I'm like, okay. Leap of faith was filmed there. I'm like, Oh, yeah. and, and then they show us this one area. Yeah. We had the semi here with roll with film projector with, with green screen, green screen. So we could do the video of the trucks going down the highway, but it was all shot internal here. <laughs> like, cool. Wow. They showed us the soundstage that they filmed the, the revival in they go and Steve Martin because of how heavy his, specialized jacket was with all the mirrors and everything else mm-hmm. this room had to be ice cold at like 50 something degrees I'm like that's insane 
That's crazy. But he said with all the lights and everything else that they used to, and then the, the weight of the jacket, it was the only way to keep him con- you know, temp controlled because yeah. if not, he would have overheated. Like, okay, that's insane. Um, but they also had props from uh, some of the pu- some of the animatronic puppets from uh, Batman Returns, the Penguin puppets. Oh wow! There as well, and I guess some of that was shot at Los mm-hmm. Colinas. Um, so anytime we ever went back, you know, we always went there. Um, I was like, oh, let's do the tour again, see what's new. <laughs> and just it's something about that studio. It's cool. It's a quaint little studio. Some nice sound stages, and no, I, it's, I it's, a nice, it. like, it's a nice vibe in there. It, to me, it, it was always the reminder of failure because, like, I went to Los Colinas about I'm going to say honestly nine times for Walker, Texas Ranger, when Chuck Norris was doing Walker, Texas Ranger there, and never booked. But I'd get far enough to go to the callback. (laughs) So I would go, and it was like, oh, I hate this place. No, but it's an awesome thing. And then shortly after that, they started filming half of it in Shreveport. Yeah. Because they were doing a lot of the ex, uh, all the exteriors in Shreveport. It's true. And like all the professional actors I know in Shreveport were booking Walker, Texas Ranger left and right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of, of that, how uh, what do you think of Shreveport becoming almost like a um, Southwest Hollywood with? Uh, I mean, I love it. I, I want it to. I want there to be more filming there. It's a. It's a great place to go. It's a great place to film. There's, you know, I grew up doing theater there, so there's, yep. you know, tons of really great actors. There's tons of talent uh, behind the screen, behind the camera talent who moved out there when there was the big, you know, bump. Um, it's a great place to make a movie, and people are still interested in making movies as opposed to. Like L.A., where people are kind of annoyed by it. In Louisiana, they're excited. Well, and, and yeah. Shre- I think Shreveport boomed because of Katrina, too, with everything in New Orleans right. being shut down. And it's like right. the, the old uh, convention center across from yeah, exactly. casinos is now a huge soundstage. Yeah. Never would have thought it. Yeah, me neither. But it's a great thing, and I hope more people keep to uh, keep shooting there and support it. Trying to look up what all has shot there. I know it's it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> there was actually a TV show that called Shreveport, Louisiana, in two thousand. Uh, Is Mindy Bledsoe the uh, director of that? Uh, no, it was um, my big <laughs> redneck vacation. There was an episode ah. titled Shreveport, Louisiana. Pink's, oh, Pink's All Out was there, uh, and then there was a this. <sighs> Episode of Sins and Secrets, Shreveport. Oh. People are shooting less there these days, but I, I wish that it would pick up again. Uh, I, I look forward to taking another movie back home because they're so congenial. Right. You know, it's very easy to shoot there and you have a great downtown and you also have, you know, everything that Texas and, you know, the area around has to offer. But it's a great place to shoot. I you like this. Um, we talk about movies that we used to watch on mm-hmm. Showtime, Cinemax and all that when we were in high school, uh, whether, you know, obviously during our age, our time period in high school, because we're all close in age. Um, I just got from Mill Creek Entertainment, this box set called Gun, Guns, Girls and G-Strings as the <laughs> um, like Savage Beach and mm-hmm. Return to Savage Beach, the Dallas Connection. Oh yeah, that's Louisiana. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Um, the Dallas Connection. 
obviously takes place in Dallas. And they go, oh, let's go to the air. Let's go to the airport and pick so-and-so up. And they go to the airport. And I'm like, uh, that's not Dallas. That's Shreveport Bossier <laughs> Regional Airport. <laughs> very different. Um, it's very different. They talk about leaving this one club and they walk out and it's centerfold. <laughs> and I'm like, driven by that many times. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe a lot of that was filmed in that area. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was something else. Um, so outside of, um, Cupid's coming out next year. Yeah. Cupid for Christmas is next year. Um, getaways coming out in a couple December weeks. December 22nd. Yeah. The, the we're day, excited about that. The day after I have knee surgery. So, oh. Hey, I'm going to have something good to watch. <laughs> there you go. Um, any other projects you got coming up? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not at, not at this particular moment. Uh, Getaway is something we're super excited about and is available for iTunes purchase pre-order now. Feel free. Feel free to pre-order if you feel like it. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's gonna, December 22nd. I'm going to have to order that Blu-ray. There you go. Cupid for Christmas is next year. We, we don't have a, a date on that yet. Um, but yeah, a, I think that's you have it a distributor for, for it. Uh, not yet. That that's the the delay is like we're looking to find the right home for it. Like Hallmark, because, Hallmark. That's what you know, something like that. You know, we we thought uh, Santa Girl would go Hallmark, and then it went Netflix, which was great because of the cabillions of eyes on it. So well, we we'll see what you know what happens, but. No, it's like I'm ready for pandemic to be over and ready to get back to work uh, and uh, ready to start writing where, or acting or directing. One of those. Where can people find you online? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm Blaine Weaver, B-L-A-Y-N-E Weaver, W-E-A-V-E-R at uh, Twitter, Instagram. I'm the only Blaine Weaver in the world except for there is a young lady, I believe in Kansas, named Blaine Weaver, who's a rodeo star who got my Gmail address. <laughs> so I know she gets a lot of email to me, but I'm like, no, it's all going to this rodeo girl. Uh, that's not me. Um, but yeah, uh, Blaine Weaver, Facebook, all that stuff, you can you can find me. Awesome. This has been great, you guys. I really appreciate the time and to be able to talk about the projects coming up. Hey, we would love to yeah, have fun. you love to have you come back, and maybe we could do a girls' rule roundtable if you're able to get some well, of the cast members on. I would love that. I would and, love that. And, and we'll we'll just go full tilt stories of girls' rule. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Why not? Just have a fun exactly. little follow episode of that. That's because great. who who would have thought that would have become? I mean, some of the others have. I mean, as you said, direct DVD, direct video, um, video on demand. And kind of slid under the radar, but this actually grabbed a lot of press and a lot of attention. Yeah, it did. And a, a lot of viewers, which is really exciting, you know, because that's what we want. You know, that's what we make it for. We make art to be consumed, you know, and to, you know, for people to get to watch it and enjoy it or, you know, so, anyways, I, I'm super excited about it getting out there in the world. Well, then I'm going to say, let's just go ahead and per- pursue this sometime after the first of the year let's get you back let's get mike and maybe adam and yeah. get whoever and get whoever else from the cast let's just do a, a girl's rule episode that sounds great and, and have fun sign me up because i would love to <laughs> i would love to hear from the cast what is it your character had to do that you were really you you had no problems doing but you're like really i gotta do this <laughs> just be curious to see what they what 
what stuff you had to you wrote for them that they're like, can we change this? Right. <laughs> to right. get their perspective. <laughs> So, well, no, awesome. I love it. It was great having you on. Um, you're you're going to be right up there with some of our longer episodes that just doesn't feel like a long episode, <laughs> which is great. Well, I, I hope so. I enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank oh, you so much. Blast. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. So, want to know more? <laughs> The bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. That ought to keep the little squirts happy. You know how Peter Parker doesn't always know how to tell Mary Jane how he really feels? Or how Tony Stark seems to have everything but not the deep emotional connection his complex soul craves? Well, you don't have to be a superhero or a wealthy industrialist to experience the kind of rich relationships and life we all long for. I'm Mark Wen, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. What is the Soul Forge podcast? Join Sean and his guests as they talk about sex, geekiness, witchcraft, Star Trek, awkward dates, poetry, life, the universe, and everything else. Interviews have included writers, atheists, a rap star from Australia, a reality TV star, and a sex goddess from San Diego. If you have a story to share or just want to listen to one, check out the Soul Forge podcast. The Soul Forge. Let's find out together. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping at the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.